Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. I'm excited. I'm excited to share this word with you tonight and create a foundation to build upon. But, you know, often when we come into first night of conference, um, I will take some time, just a few minutes, to kind of revisit um, the heart, the soul, the language, the mandate of colour. I will just take a few minutes to do that. But suffice to say that last year, if you were here, and I realise many of you weren't, but if you were here last year, I actually wrote a book about that. I wrote a book called The Sisterhood, which is here, which basically um, articulated what God has been doing, not only in this part of the world, but actually around the world as a ripple effect that actually um, frames the heartbeat of the sisterhood. And so, you know, I really pray and hope that, you know what, this is in you, that you are stirring up the gift and the measure within your own heart and life when it comes to this incredible time that has been entrusted not only to the body of Christ, but to the sons, to the sons and the daughters within that body of Christ. I hope that you are doing what we are exhorted to do in um, Timothy, where we are told to stir up the gift that is within us. Every single one of us in this room tonight has a gift and a measure that has been imparted to us by the Spirit of God. And it's inherent on us to actually understand that, to recognise it, to begin to cultivate it, to stir it up as the Word says, to at times flame it into greater flame and to cause it or allow it to continue to burn strong. So I'm not, um, I'm not uh, any different from any one of you. There is a measure, there is a gift upon my life and I have to recognise it, stir it up, fan it into flame on occasion, amen? Lots of occasions. And then actually keep it burning bright. So I pray that you will be doing that. And of course, the bottom line with this conference is that, you know, the feminine heart, we believe that the feminine heart, hello, any feminine hearts out there? (laughs) Okay, you're going to have to talk to me a little bit tonight. All right. The feminine heart, we believe the feminine heart is a gift. It is a gift. And our desire to champion womanhood, to champion womanhood in all her beauty and in all her strength and and, and in all her brilliance remains at the very heartbeat at the very heart of this gathering. So as I said to the girls um, on Thursday evening last, If you are in the place and you have never been told that there is someone, capital S, that there is someone in heaven who loves you deeply and who believes in you, I am here tonight with, you know, toward 8,000 girlfriends and we want to tell you that there is a God in heaven who loves you, who believes in you. And not only that, you are amongst friends. You are actually not alone in life. You may feel it right now, but if you allow God to move in you, you will soon discover that you're actually not alone in life. So that's all I'm gonna say on that note. All right, here we go. I wanna get into this. All right, anyone taking notes in this place? 
All right. There's a story in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. There's a story in Genesis about Abraham and Isaac, about a father and a son. Everyone say Abraham and Isaac. One was a father and one was the son. Okay, got it. Abraham, the father, was chosen. He was chosen. We're all chosen, but in this case, Abraham, the beginning of time, was chosen. And a generational promise was spoken over his life that would ultimately bless all the families of the earth if there was enough revelation down through time in history for that to happen. So a generational promise is spoken over him that will ultimately bless all the families of the earth. Allow me to read it to you in Genesis 12, verse two. And the Lord says, I will make you, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing, verse three. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples or all families on earth will be blessed through you. He goes, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. Again, it is Old Testament. You know, um, basically the Lord was speaking about that um, first offspring nation of Israel. But again, through Christ, the promise filters down through history and it miraculously becomes part of the equation that we are living in. If you look or if you were to reference or write down in your notes, Galatians 3, Galatians 3 brings the promise into the New Testament. And then through Christ, through Christ in us, the hope of glory, to everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. So that's the foundation. So Isaac, that's Abraham. So Isaac, the son, is a picture of Christ, the son, capital S. A picture has been painted. And so Abraham, the father, seeks a bride. He seeks a bride for his son. So he sends his servant in search of her. He sends the servant in search of this bride for his amazing son. Can I note here that so important was this bride, so important was this girl, that Abraham assured the servant that God would lead and help make the choice obvious, all right? So there's the story. Long story short, everyone say long story short. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Rebecca is chosen. Rebecca in Hebrew, her name means captivated, knotted, knit. So Rebecca is chosen and she willingly begins her journey to encounter Isaac the son. As she and the servant approach their destination, okay, she's coming from far away. As they approach the destination, Rebecca sees Isaac in the distance. He is walking, he is walking, meditating, praying in the field. She inquires of the servant, who is he? Who is this person? When she realises who she is, she dismounts off her camel, hallelujah, and covers herself in a veil. And so I couldn't help myself, but I thought, you know what girls, just FYI, when I saw Brian for the first time, I was all of 17, he was 19. When I saw him in the distance, standing there like a big, tall, handsome boy, I did not get off my donkey and cover myself with a veil, nor my camel, hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. Who's got a mind that just does things like that? 
<laughs> yeah, Lisa Harper definitely has. All right, so scripture, the account, scripture, Genesis 24, it reads like this. Then the servant, okay, so this happens. Then the servant told Isaac all that he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Also, I made a notation here that that is exactly why the men and the boys need a woman in their life. Okay, he wasn't coping without his mother and he wasn't coping without a woman. And so all we have just decided that all men and boys need women in their lives. Hallelujah. Amen. But don't think about your men right now. They're fine. And if they lose the children, we'll send a search party. We have thousands of volunteers. We'll send them out to find the children, all right? So just don't worry about that. All right. Okay, here's the point. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I need to hurry because I'm dribbling on already. All right. Okay, so there's a novel, a novel. Everyone say novel. It's a novel. And it's called The Book of God. And it is a beautiful read. that brings to life the pilgrimage of God's people down through the history of the Bible. And so the author of this novel, his name is Walter Wangerin, describes the same story like this, all right? He says, he writes, In the month that followed, Rebecca and the old servant travelled from her home on the same road Abraham himself had taken more than 65 years early. On the 13th day, while the camels were moving with weary lanker. And I don't blame them because there'd been 13 days. I can't imagine what Rebecca felt like. But on the 13th day, while the camels were moving with weary lanker, Rebecca lifted her eyes and saw a man strolling alone across the fields, his head bent down in meditation. Who is that, she said. She alighted from her camel and went to the old servant, Do you see that man in the distance? She asked, who is he? Ah, that's the son of my master. That is Isaac. So Rebecca covered her face with a veil and waited to be seen by the man who would be her husband. In the Negev then, Isaac took Rebecca to his tent and she became his wife and he loved her completely. He never loved another as long as he lived. He said, As soon as I saw the woman standing tall by the side of a white field, I fell in love with her. He was 40 years old. So girls, when I read that novel, when I read that book, maybe 18 months ago, perhaps even two years ago, when I read that passage and pictured that scene, It resonated so much in my heart, so much in my heart, because I believe that is exactly how God sees us. When He sees us standing tall, willing and waiting alongside those harvest fields that concern Him so deeply. So this colour, amongst many things, my desire is I want to encourage you to stand tall to stand tall, to stand tall, not only in your own personhood, if that is a little bent over, to stand tall in your own personhood, to stand tall in your own revelation of who Christ is in you, and to stand tall in the fields or the spheres that God has actually called you to. In fact, 
Coming into 2017, knowing that, you know, colour was on the horizon, knowing that we were entering a new um, year in our own church and a new year with our own local sisterhood. Basically, I came into the year with two prevailing thoughts in my spirit. And that was that we stand tall in life, that we stand tall and that we continue. That we continue because to continue is so important. Why? Can I ask the question? Can I ask my, present my own question, why? Why? Because the world is becoming increasingly unsettled and uneasy and restless and they need to see a church. This predominantly, this is actually a faith conference. This is a Christian women conference actually, but with our doors flown, I mean, thrown wide open so that anyone can come in. Come as you are, you are welcome in this place. But they need to see a church, and I'm speaking to the church here tonight. They need to see a church who is upright. Not upright in a manner that is self-righteous and judging, but they need to see a church that is upright as in not bent over. The whole world is in, in many ways bent over with the weight of the world and the weight of sin and the weight of a lot of question marks. But they need to see a church, a people, a company of believers who are upright. They need to see a church who is peaceful. In a world where peace is being assailed, they need to see a church and a company of believers, a company of Christ followers who are peaceful, hallelujah. They need to see a people who are resolute and a people who are focused on what is unshakable. Because as we well know, we are part of a church who knows, hopefully we know, that anything that can be shaken will be shaken, but we in Christ have come to a kingdom that is unshakable. And if you need a scripture reference for that, look at Hebrews chapter 12. So again, the challenge is to stand strong in all our fields. The language over this conference is be found in the field in order to stand strong, in order that those lost or seeking within those very fields that we are planted in, all of us, or near those very fields can actually witness something on our lives that sets them free. Amen? Do you believe that? I hope so. And in so many ways, that is actually just basic gospel. That is basic gospel, but I am of the mindset but that basic gospel is fantastic. Basic gospel actually works in our lives. And so tonight, as I open the conference, if my journey could add anything more to yours, if there was something else in context or continuation of last year where we talked about things that never grow old, if there are certain things that we must never allow to grow old in our lives in order that we might continue, I would say three things. And I'm gonna bring three things to your life tonight. I would say number one, number one, everyone say number one. Number one, inner strength, inner strength can never grow old or weary if we are going to continue in strength, our inner strength. So we wanna be a movement of women perhaps or not, I don't know where you, or I don't know what you think, but you know what? We wanna continue in strength. You know, there's a rising movement on the earth at the moment amongst women. There's a little bit of a rise up outside of the Kingdom of God, perhaps actually. And you know, that it's like, let's be strong women. And it's like, mm, okay, I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about an inner strength within our hearts, an inner strength based on truth, 
carved out of the truth of who God is, truth of who we are in Christ, truth of actually who He is, amen, that is gonna create a different kind of strength in our lives. You know, inner strength is your integrity. It is your resoluteness of will. It is fortitude. It is mental resistance to doubt and discouragement. That alone, incredible. And you know, all of those things and probably many more things, they rise or they fall according to what? The abundance of our heart. They rise or fall according to the abundance of our heart. Proverbs chapter 4.23 says, above all else, above all else. Wow, that is pretty strong. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. It is the wellspring of life. So the abundance or not of your heart, of my heart, of your heart, is what actually sets us or you in good stead to continue. The abundance or not of your heart will cause you to continue in life. And not only continue, like, you know, here I am saying we need to continue, but you know what? To continue, you need to actually, um, rather to finish, actually to begin, continue and finish. And so, you know what, if we wanna finish what God has started in us, we gotta continue in what He has called us to do. And as I say that, I'm mindful that there's probably, you know, girls in the room and you're perhaps at the beginning of a faith journey or whatever. And you know what, the truth be known, you're like, I don't know that I can finish anything. I don't know that I can continue anything because basically you haven't started yet. And I believe that you're gonna find beautiful courage within the room to actually step out into some things this conference and in the months that are ahead that are gonna shape your life beautifully. And then God, I do, I believe, I think over the years, this has been an environment where God has just ignited vision, destiny, strategy, God things, not just good ideas, but God things. And then, you know, we need the, we need the capacity to not only just begin something, but actually continue in it. And then by the grace of God, finish. You know what? God began a good thing in me 21 years ago with this gathering that, you know, has this amazing ripple effect around the world. But I've got to continue and I've got to have courage to continue and I've got to have courage to finish what God has begun. Not according to how I might feel at this age, but rather according to the strength, the inner strength that is in my life. You know, the abundance or not of your heart is a wellspring. It is a wellspring of life. It is the wellspring that is not just needful, but I believe critical to to be drawn upon in every season of life. It is the wellspring that we draw upon. And so again, again, bring my voice down. If we allow that to go into deficit, if we allow the abundance or wellspring of our life to go into deficit, then we actually court trouble in our life. And we don't wanna do that, amen? So sweetheart, tonight, I wanna encourage you, if you are struggling, if you are faltering, if you are weary, if you are thinking, I just wanna give up, and I'm a real girl, I get it, okay? I actually get this, I get it. I might be up here with my fufu hair and my heavy makeup for the screens and everything so that you're all not frightened, but I am a real girl. I wake up probably looking like you. We all wake up together and it's just, It's just like wonderful, hallelujah. (laughs) But if you are feeling like that, if you're just feeling whatever, I wanna encourage you to revisit your own heart. 
Revisit your heart. Revisit what it is to govern and to nourish your heart, this beating spiritual muscle in all the ways of God, amen? Revisit your heart. And you know, to do that, it's actually an exercise of the will. You think, oh God, just, you know, yeah, no, He's very kind. But there are times when you have to go, you know what? I actually just need to take, take stock of my own life here. I need to, God gave you a mind and a will. You're an intelligent woman. He gave you, He's given you the capacity and He will bless that capacity and He will increase it. But you know what? It's an act of our will to say, you know what? I'm gonna readdress a few things in my life. I'm gonna arrest my heart. You know, Matthew chapter 12, uh, 33 says, either, it's pretty in your face, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's actually our responsibility. You know, there's a beautiful verse I discovered this summer um, in Psalms that has caused my own heart to leap and I've shared it with our own girls, but it's in um, Psalm 28 in the Passion Translation. It's beautiful. And it literally says, you, talking about a declaration to God, you will be the inner strength of all your people the mighty protector of all, the saving strength for all your anointed ones. Let's just pause here and linger. You will be, oh God, you will be the inner strength, the inner strength of all your people. Not just a few chosen ones. Mm -mm, No, the promise, oh God, you will be the inner strength of all your people if they but discover this the mighty protector of all, the saving strength for all your anointed ones. And I believe we all have the capacity to be anointed in God, to be smeared with ability for what we need to do in life. You know, knowing, knowing, um, praise God in Jesus' Name. Knowing your God as your mighty protector is powerful. And I honestly believe that the inner strength of all those who follow Christ has to increase so that regardless of what might happen in life, we can all call Him Mighty Protector. Regardless of what happens in life. You know, knowing God is your Mighty Protector is, I believe, critical revelation for the days that we are entering, for the latter days. It is the steel within you that you need when faith is tested. And it is surely our only unwavering sanity when and if and should persecution come our way. It actually is. Have any of you, who loves movies in this place? Yeah, I went to bed last night. I went back to the hotel after church and I watched The Lion. (laughs) I know, it's like, Lord, it was so beautiful and so powerful. I love movies and many of you know that. But um, there's a movie called Silence. Have any of you seen that yet? Hands up if you've seen Silence. Only a few. Not even sure if it's still in the theatres or not. It kind of snuck in and it's an amazing movie and it's kind of in the genre of the Passion of the Christ. So it's a little bit intense. It's definitely not a popcorn and chalk ice cream movie, all right? Because 
it's pretty intense. And in essence, it's um, based on true story, true reality of Jesuit priests in the 1600s, 16th century, um, who brought the gospel from Europe, from Portugal, I think, into Japan. They brought the gospel to Japan in the 1600s. And it tells of a spirit of antichrist that rose up to crush that gospel, to crush the seeds of the gospel. And it's historic and basically all the priests were crucified and killed along with literally thousands of believers. And in that movie, it's pretty poignant because it's, it, it, it poses the question, what would we be like? What would you be like? I mean, I sat there in a theatre. I was in gold class. It did seem completely wrong to be in gold class with my PA watching this movie. Nevertheless, it was her gift card that we needed to use before it expired. But um, <laughs> detail schmetal, just in case you're thinking, I've never been to gold class. It was like we had a gift card. So we went and we sat there and we couldn't barely speak because, you know, the minute the opposition, the minute that Antichrist spirit smelt faith on any one of those dear, dear people, they were brought before the, you know, I think it was called the Inquisitor or something, or something, and they had to deny Christ. And they had a tile with Jesus' face on it, and it was like, deny Him now or you will die. Deny Him. Just step on His face and deny Him. And those who didn't were literally crucified and tortured. And as you sat there, it made me think, oh my gosh, how would I be in a situation like that? What strength, what would sustain me in a decision like that? We live in a pretty like, lovely world, but like, what if it changed? What, what strength would you, would you have to draw upon? And I sat there thinking, what inner strength did these people have in those days to not deny Christ? And you know, I, I, our lives are all different and our, our the things that test us in life are all different. But you know, I, and I share this carefully, but you know, when I'm talking about mighty protector, the one who is there when you think no one is there, the one who strengthens you when you don't know how to respond, the one who would strengthen you in a severe and extreme situation like I just mentioned. But you know, when Brian went through that really difficult patch a few years ago when life came in on him, and it's a long story, and he, has, he shares openly about it in his book, Live Lovely, and he has already, you know, he spoke at this conference two years ago about that. So, but when he was in that place, do you know what I felt as his wife? I never made it about me, not once. But when we finally were able to talk coherently about it, I said to him, darling, I, I feel, I'm so sorry, but I feel like I have lost my protector in you because he was barely able to protect himself. And I, I felt like I had lost my protector and my husband has always been my protector and he still is. He's amazing. He's an amazing husband and father and man of God and leader and he's incredible, amen? Put your hands together for my husband. What a stoic leader he is in our land. Yet in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that time, I felt, I felt like I had lost my protector in him. And you know what? Do you know what that does to you? It makes you get on your knees and it makes you find the one. Whilst the one alongside, I was trying to stand in the gap for him. 
Because that's what you do when you are a woman and when you are a helper. You come alongside, you help, you stand in the gap and you seek to be a blessing. That is, what, is how Jesus named us in Genesis. And I did my best to stand in the gap for Him. But in a split second, I was like, Father, I feel like I am lost here. I feel like I've lost this man who is my protector. And in that time, who did I find? A fresh and a new. I found, my, I found my Jesus. I found the one who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am your strength. I am your mighty protector. And I only share that story to encourage women in the room today. And you are alone and you have no one protecting you. You feel like you have no one protecting you protecting you. Well, you have a God and He wants to come alive in you in Jesus' Name. You will be the inner strength of all your people, the mighty protector of all, the saving strength for all your anointed ones. Other translations say, saving refuge, safe refuge, ample refuge, fortress, stronghold of salvation. So this evening, tonight, as we begin this conference, if you're in the room and you're going, I need a greater revelation, I need, maybe I just, like, full stop, I need a revelation of who this mighty protector is in my life. If you're in the room and that's you tonight, I wanna pray for you. Or you're thinking, I need a greater revelation. And you know what? We all need a greater revelation. Our revelation of this mighty protector in our heart, this inner strength, it has to keep growing and growing and growing and growing with every day, amen? Do you believe that? But if you're here tonight and you're like, Bobby, that's actually me. Well, from the very outset, I believe God wants to love on you. So if that's you, I'm gonna ask everyone to close your eyes, but if that's you, I want you just to raise your hand and say, I need that in my life. Come on, be honest with me. I'm your friend, okay? If that's you and you said, I need a greater revelation, I just, I do. Okay, eyes are closed. I want you to stand to your feet because actually, actually, there's power in doing that. Just stand and say, Father, here I am. Father, here I am. Don't be shy. Don't be proud. God is here for you, amen? God bless you. So Father in heaven, I just commit them to you and you see their heart, you see their openness, you see their need. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you will draw near. Holy Spirit, I pray you will come and be Holy Spirit to them. You will come and comfort and strengthen and know that they are not alone, Father God. So I commit them to you and I pray that layers upon layers upon layers across these next few days, Father God, will just be their portion. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Second thing I want to share tonight, hallelujah, is that I believe knowing that you are a girl on a mission can never grow old if we are to, to continue to stand tall and strong. In Jesus' name, I read that so well. Knowing you are a girl on a mission can never grow old if we are going to continue to stand tall and continue in Jesus' name, amen. You know what, I believe the entire um, premise of Scripture is that, again, like I've been saying, that we continue and that we finish the course, the race, the calling that is ours. Amen? You know, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 doesn't end till last or final curtain call. Therefore, everyone say therefore. Therefore, we remain midwives of another world. Ooh, write that down. We remain midwives of another world, endlessly mindful 
of those still being saved. Endlessly mindful of those still being drawn by the Spirit of God and hauled to rebirth and salvation. The reason I say hauled is because in the original, the word where it says He draws all men, it isn't like, oh, He just draws all men. It actually means He is hauling them, as in rescuing them from a perilous ocean, rescuing them from a fate that is just would break His heart if it actually came to reality. So, you know, I believe we are midwives of that endlessly mindful of those being saved and those being drawn to salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Of course it is. And I think in particular to those who stick their finger in the face of God and are rebellious towards Him and are like, no way. He could walk under their nose and they would still deny Him. So the, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen? To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I believe, write it down, girls. I believe that the earth is still in her birth pang. The earth is still in her birth pang of what is described as the beginning of the end. The earth is still in her birth pang of everybody who is about to be born again in these very days. The birth pang of that. The earth is still in her birth pang of the greatest revival and harvest that this world has ever seen. And you know what? It is inherent on us to understand that. By the way, can I just say a birth pang, by definition, birth pang, hallelujah, birth pang is defined as distress and disorder before a major change. So if you've birthed a baby, does anyone know? Anyone ever birthed a baby? Like pop, pop that baby out? Okay. If you've birthed a baby, you understand that. There is distress and there is like craziness. There is distress and there is disorder before that major change of birth. And sometimes we can look at the earth. See, God works and He paints pictures for us to understand in metaphors. He paints pictures for us. And He says the earth is in her birth pang. And so, you know, we can sometimes as followers of Christ look at the world and get all like freaked out and go, oh, the world is in such distress and it's in such drama. And it's like, oh my gosh, we're gonna run to the hills. It's like, no, the earth is, is, is in a moment just before this change is gonna come. And we need a church that isn't running for the hills, but rather a church that is running for the streets and occupying the space that we've actually all been called to, amen? So it's really important. I wanna read to you from Matthew 24. Don't hate me. Don't hate me. Matthew 24, verses three onwards, it says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, how lovely, the disciples came to Him privately and said, tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and He said, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse seven, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, verse eight. All these things, all these things are the beginning of birth pangs. Verse nine, then Jesus says, then 
you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Well, thank you very much, Jesus. <laughs> like, can you just imagine these disciples and they're like, they're like those emoji faces with like, because first night goes then, and they're like, then, then, and he goes, no, then, hello, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. <sighs> and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Verse 10, I think this is profound. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. Isn't that interesting? Many, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, because of the increase of wickedness, there's a lot of Christians on the earth, not all, but many, getting quite freaked out about the increase of wickedness. But Jesus prophesied it here. He spoke it. He said, these are the signs of the times. This is the beginning of the birth pang. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Verse 13, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I know you didn't really come here on First Night of Colour to hear that, but never mind. Just lean over, take the pulse of the girl beside you. <laughs> Tell her, it's going to be fine, honey. Amen. Remember, mighty protector. Mighty protector in Jesus' name. You know, those verses are potent and they're sobering. Why? Because I believe that God needs His sons and His daughters, the redeemed in the land, midwives, so to speak, ready and available for that first hello. That first hello, that moment when the Spirit of God in these strategic days draws and welcomes a searching, lost, seeking, forlorn, distressed person across the line to salvation. The Spirit of God that welcomes that person with you and I alongside in the equation, not hiding in the hills, stocking food piles, but you and I in the fray, present in the streets, like I just said, there to be at that point of birth. You know, my prayer, again, because the Spirit and the Bride say, come, don't they? Last page of the last book. The Spirit and the Bride together say, come. Very hard for the Spirit and the Bride, the church to say, come, when the freaking Bride is in the mountains hiding. <laughs> Did I just say that? I must have got highly anointed. Hallelujah. So my prayer, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Edit that off the tape. Praise the Lord. My prayer is that we will be, listen up girls, we will be amongst those who welcome oceans and oceans and oceans and oceans and oceans of people into this whole new world. Midwives of another world. Midwives of another world. My granddaughter, Willow May, so cute with, from Laura and Peter. 
Okay, she's so cute. She's sitting at my dining room table. I've told you the story. Three years of age, colouring in. And I ask her, as all Grammys do, Willow May, do you love Jesus? She doesn't even look up from colouring. She just says, oh, he's a whole new world. (laughs) She's all of three. But he is a whole new world, amen? All right, I need to hurry. Who loves binge television? Oh, I know. Binge TV, box set, series, love it, amen. All right, so we've gone from persecution to binge television. It's just really, it's just a wonderful world we live in. It's just a wonderful world. Amen, I I care, love it, I, I love it. And last year I fasted um, television in that regard um, because I was writing. I thought, I really need to keep my brain focused. All right, but since then... Since December, actually, it's like a phenomena. I have managed to knock off the entire, every series, every set of Call a Midwife and Downton Abbey. And I'm like, how is it possible that I, I, I miss Downton Abbey? I have knocked off since December. Amid everything that we've done live, I have knocked off those entire series. And you know it, there's about 9,000 episodes of Downton Abbey. Anyway, I love those series, but let's agree, they kind of leave an imprint, don't they? Do you find that? Yeah, Call the Midwives, it's set in the 1950s in East London, when, you know, basically when you had a baby, you didn't go to hospital, you called the midwife, and they came, and it's a beautiful series, I love it, about all these nuns and these sisters, and there's like, I just love it, and then, so basically the imprint was, I walked around for weeks with, um, thinking with an East London accent, I was an Eastern, East Londoner. And then when I graduated to Downton Abbey, oh, it was hilarious. Then I was walking, because Brian went away for like three weeks. It was awesome. Okay, I loved it. No Fox television, no like boring Fox television and Fox News on a loop, on a loop, on a loop, on a loop. He just sits there watching it on a loop. He's not even paying attention. And so I love it when he goes away because I get the whole television to myself. Not that he wouldn't share, but you know, I just like figure I'll just, you know, I'll just be like the sacrificial wife. It's like, I'll go and lie on my bed and watch my TV show on my phone. Well, he has the big screen now and he's not even watching it because it's on a loop. He's seen it like 35 times. So <laughs> I've got to stop it. I'm going to I'm going to ruin time. I'm going to ruin time. I'm ruining time. I'm ruining time already. I'm ruining I'm ruining the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Downton Abbey, I then didn't have an East London accent. I had a posh English accent. I was talking like Lady Mary. I was Lady Mary. And then when I carried Brian's undies and socks up the stairs, I became Mrs. Carson. I was seriously walking up the stairs of my house like I was in the show. It's like a problem. And so amazing. And what is not to love about Call the Midwife? I mean, what is not to love about a television show that has one birth in every episode? Or two, sometimes it was like amazing. I just loved it. And my best part, my favourite line in that Call the Midwife was basically when one of the sisters came back from a really sad situation and she like says to the like the boss nun lady, she goes, she says, do you think we should just stop asking? Like, like stop asking how they are because it's so heartbreaking. And like the boss nun, Sister Julianne says, no, 
Because when we stop asking, we stop caring. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Just bruised my chest. Bruised my chest. Put the girls back in. It's like, I've got a new bra on. And it's like, you know when you, you, know when you buy a new bra and you're like, I feel, I must be getting sick. I feel like I've got asthma. But it's like, no, your bra's just too tight. It's got to break in. Amen. <laughs> Shut up. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it now. Okay. So, oh, am I sweating? I think I'm sweating now. So I'm too old for this. No, I'm not too old for this. That's a bad confession. I've completely got this. Amen. So, here's the point. Here's the whole point of all that ridiculousness. The thing that I loved about that series was that it reminded me, it reminded me that the world needs to know that they can call a church. Not like, call the midwife. No, it's not like, call the midwife. It's like, call the church. Call the church. Church needs to rise to this place when people are in distress and despair and pain and confusion that they know exactly where to go. It's like, call the church in Jesus' name because we are midwives. So I just want to say, never forget. Everyone say, never forget. (laughs) Never forget that you are a woman on a mission. Never forget that you are a girl who can be found in the field again and again and again and again. Hallelujah, all my accents. Never forget that you are a woman capable of helping midwife others to life. Never forget that. Never get complacent, never draw back, never think, oh, it's, I'm too old, I can't do this anymore, I can't be bothered. Never let apathy take over your heart. Remind yourself that whilst there is breath in our lungs, hallelujah, whilst there is a field out there, we need to stand tall beside that white harvest field and Jesus will just love us for doing that. And we will remember that we have been called by His Name and we have a part to play in this harvest, amen? In Jesus' Name, let's never forget Micah chapter four and five, signature, labour to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail, labour to bring forth what is upon your life. And we have to labour to bring forth what is in us in Christ. Amen, with the Spirit of God. But let's also remember that we are labouring alongside others in Jesus' Name. Amen. I need the team to come and join me. And we're going to go to the third thing tonight, and it's not too long. I really believe that remaining exclusively His defines those who stand tall and remain to the end, hallelujah. Knowing, knowing that you are exclusively His, remaining exclusively His defines those who stand tall. Okay, let me revisit a tiny bit of colour romance, if I may, as I bring this to a close. You know, this is my Amplified Bible. It's one of many. It's, I haven't actually used this one for a wee while, but it's my Amplified, I love it. And on the last, the last sentence in the entire Bible, the last sentence, it literally reads like this in the Amplified. So the Amplified um, enlarges the meaning. It gives you the context and then it gives you the literal meaning of the words, okay? So it literally says, grace and favour to those who are exclusively His. Grace and favour. Let's put it on the screen. There it is. <laughs> Revelation 21, 21. 
the grace and blessing and favour of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, be with all the saints, God's holy people, those set apart for God to be, as it were, exclusively His. Amen. So let it be. Do you know that there is just something so remarkably and magnificently beautiful about living your life as if it were exclusively His? His. I believe it is the pure, unadulterated love affair of the Christian walk. Rebecca, her name meant captivated, knotted cord. I want to say to us, to you, become the captivating, knotted cord to your Saviour's heart, your love affair with Him. I want to encourage you to cultivate or to reimagine your love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to enter worship, wanting to love Jesus more deeply and intimately. Enter worship like that. Enter worship consciously, desiring to love Him and know Him more intimately and deeply. I want to encourage you to enter the Word of God when you open the Word of God, to enter the Word poised for depth that draws you closer. Last year, in this equivalent meeting, Psalm 42, I quoted a verse that said, Deep course to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. How has that been for you this year if you had ears to hear? Deep course to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. You know, to be set apart, again, no condemnation if you haven't given that a second thought and life hasn't changed and you're still, you're still shuffling around in the same, same pool of, of blessing or understanding or revelation. It's like it's, it's, we're here as friends to exhort one another further and deeper in Jesus' Name, Right? You know, the word set apart, and in that verse in Revelation, set apart, there is something stunning about a person who is set apart for that one. There is something powerful about that. It says, grace, blessing and favour be with those set apart for God. You know, as I, as I draw this to a close, um, again, I, you know I can talk forever. I apologise. But I really pray that going forward, you'll be endlessly found within the Father's tender care. Endlessly found. In this new book that I just have launched this past week, Stay the Path, um, I write of the gardener. I write of the garden. Nothing is new under the sun, but His revelations and His mercies are new every, every day. So I write of the gardener and His hands, His beautiful hands that I believe tend um, our lives to wholeness and to beauty. And in the book I write um, about this moment we had, we were in Europe and I write of this canvas that um, I saw, this painting that I saw in Italy. And we'd gone into a little cafe and a little wine bar cafe to have a meal. And Brian Beck, he motioned to me, he said, look behind you. And there was this beautiful image, this painting. And what it literally was of, obviously we were in the wine district and we were in a wine shop having a pasta, but it was a beautiful vine dress, a farmer. And in the 
um, he was just the back of him and just in his hand here, just gently he was just holding this cluster of beautiful, rich, vibrant, ripe vintage graves. Beautiful, that was stunning. He was holding it and his, his hands were dirty and they, it was beautiful. And um, it reminded me of Isaiah 5, Isaiah 5, which I love and talk about all the time, but it reminded me and I went, oh my gosh, it's like Isaiah 5 says, my beloved had a vineyard on a very fruitful hill and he did all for his vineyard that he could do. He planted the choicest vines and he protected it and he watered it and he sought to help that vineyard pull out the rocks and the rubble and the debris. He did all that he could for his vineyard and then he looked for it to bring forth a vintage crop but alas, it only brought forth sour. And so in a perfect world, I would have bought the painting, but they wouldn't sell it to me. In a perfect world, I would have had a copy here and um, that is not possible. So we found another image that I think gives beautiful expression to um, this image that I saw. And basically it's this and it captures the same... uh, power as the image that I saw um, in Europe. And um, it tells a story because see, God is our gardener. He calls us a, a garden, a field, a vineyard. He loves to paint pictures for us. And so to me, it was like these, this, the beautiful hands of God holding this amazing cluster of grapes. And, you know, use your imagination. God paints metaphors and pictures for us. But, you know, I'm sure that the Ancient of Days does not have dirt under his fingernails, but nevertheless, he is a gardener and he's not afraid to um, to touch or get involved in the mess and the dirt of our lives, right? He loves the dirt of our lives. He's like, oh, I can do something with that. And I love these aged hands and I love the dirt within the creases. And I love the tenderness with which he holds these grapes. And it's the same tenderness that he holds our lives, your life. And I love that He has a purpose for these grapes. I love that when the grape is pressed, it's an analogy, when the grape, when our lives are pressed in life, when they come to maturity and they are vintage and they are choice and they are beautiful and they are not sour, when they are beautiful the way He intended because we've allowed the Word of God to craft our lives. We've allowed the gardener to actually cultivate our lives. When that grape is pressed, what comes forth from that life is succulent and beautiful and it feeds many. And I love the care of the two hands because my husband has been preaching of late about the hands of God, the right hand of God and the left hand of God. How the right, how we in Christ are seated at the right hand of God and His right hand speaks of power, authority, provision, sovereignty, um, you know, anointing. And how His left hand just tells of His grace and His kindness and His care. See, this is the God that we worship and He's altogether lovely. And He wants to take your broken life and He wants to grow you into something spectacular and use you in a spectacular way. And so I love these hands. And I guess just tonight as I open this conference, I'm just leaving you with those two challenges. It's the challenge that, yeah, yeah, first and foremost, well, not first and foremost, but that we are found in the field, that we discover our calling and we grow in our calling and we're found in our field because that is what partnership with our Saviour is about. That is what a good daughter does when she, well, not a good daughter because I don't wanna condemn anyone, but that's what a daughter who gets a revelation of who she is in Christ, warrior princess daughter, she goes, she has this, regardless of where she 
sits in life or regardless of how broken or inadequate she may feel, she realises that indeed her father is her father. And she's like, Father, I'm prepared. I'm prepared to have a go. I'm prepared to be found in the field. I'm prepared to work with you today. That's the heart of a daughter, right? She wants to be about her father's business. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And so I'm encouraging us to, yeah, be found in our fields. But more than that, more than that, I'm encouraging us to be found in the love affair of God and that we allow His loving hands to craft us and shape us and woo us into something beautiful for Himself, exclusively His in Jesus' Name. Amen. That is my prayer for us as we begin this conference in Jesus' Name. You can close your notes in your Bible if you wish. Hallelujah. Beautiful. Amen. Inner strength. Our inner strength needs to grow. We need to remember always we're a girl in a mission. Hallelujah. Midwives of another world. And above and beyond all of that, because this is our source and this is the wellspring of revelation, is that we realise we are exclusively His. And above and beyond anything, it's like that love affair with God. Amen. Does that make sense? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen in Jesus' Name. Amen. The team are just going to stay with me. But I just want to take a moment in these closing moments to, um, to do what is actually most important in this conference. I want to give women or men for that matter, and this, anyone in this room, an opportunity to come into relationship with the Father, to come into relationship with the Father through Christ. And you may be here, a friend may have brought you, you're in this place for the first time and it's like, wow. Or you may have been going to church all your life. But you know what? You've never perhaps known that there's a God in heaven who truly loves you. You've perhaps never known that to come into relationship is through Christ, through acknowledgement that He is the Saviour King who died for you. Let me explain the Gospel. This is the Gospel. God created us for a garden. Sin entered the equation. It created a divide. It separated us from this heavenly God who is holy. Don't have to understand it, just believe it. And so this huge divide. And so God was not content to cast us aside. He was not content to lose us. We're His sons and His daughters created in His image. Like you are the daughter of God whether you're redeemed or not redeemed. And so they were not content to cast us aside. And so the dilemma of the great divide. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God said, I will go and I will go in their place. I will go to earth. I will enter the mess. I will lay down my perfect life, actually. I will pay the price. You can put the wrath of separation on me, Father. I will take it and I will redeem them. And so you see, it's inherent that we understand that because there is no other way back to the Father but through Christ. Jesus unapologetically said when He was on earth, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come back to the Father except through me. And He wasn't lying. And He said, I don't come to condemn you. I come to give you life and life in abundance. He's beautiful. He says He knocks on the door of our heart. If we will open to Him, He will come in and become Lord and Saviour. Amazing. And so many women in this room have done that somewhere in their journey and bear testimony to that. If that is you, would you just raise your hand as testimony in the room that you have had a moment of truth in your life where you went, yep, Bobby, that was me. 
and Christ came. And so He loves you. And so, you know, if you're here tonight and you're like, oh, wow, I, I've never known that. And surely the, I, I've always felt that there's more to life. And what can I do? I want to tell you, He loves you tonight and He's drawing you by His grace to a place of salvation. And all it takes is a heart, heartbeat prayer. So I'm going to ask everyone in the room to just close your eyes and we're going to pray together. And if you want to pray this prayer with us to invite Christ into your life for salvation, for peace with God, to go forward from your life that you're not really loving, you pray it in your heart of hearts. Amen. Shall we pray this together? I mean, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, let's pray it all together, everyone in the room. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son. Dear Jesus, tonight I come to you. I ask you to come into my heart and life. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God and that you laid your flawless life down for me, that you paid the price for my sin. So tonight, Lord, forgive me and welcome me home. I believe that You are the Son of God. And tonight I ask You to be Lord and Saviour of my life. I thank You for the gift of life. So Father, thank You for drawing me to truth. Thank You, Jesus, for dying for me. And thank You, Holy Spirit, for bringing me to this place. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Easy as that. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.